At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wednesday night edition of the pod. Our young player reviews for the Eastern Conference are over. We'll get into the West next week, most likely. But we got to catch up on some latent news and also the playoff race, which has started to solidify a little bit. So we'll start there. Then we're going to go to news. And then since a lot of that news actually has to do with teams that are tanking, we can then transition into the all-important tank race as well. Sponsored today by Sonos. Use the promo code DUNK10, D-U-N-C-10. Actually different than the last code because apparently some blog found the last code and put it up so it got corrupted for tracking purposes. D-U-N-C-1-0, DUNK10 at Sonos.com to get 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product there. All right, where do you want to start here with the playoff race, Daniel? Well, let's start with the East because I think the East is at least at the top little bit but well, i guess they're both pretty well settled at the top but so with the east what we have a really good sense of right now is who the eight playoff teams are going to be so raptors celtics Cavs, sixers pacers wizards heat but what we do not know is other than the top two the raptors being the one and the celtics being the two despite boston's big win today in utah is what order all of these other teams are going to be and as a point of reference for the playoff picture because these are good teams at least theoretically and they are i feel focus more on the loss column because the assumption is if one team has played fewer games that they will make up the win whereas in the tank race I go the opposite way it's wins and then you can make up the losses so that leads to a couple of interesting kind of nuances here because actually I'll let you talk a little bit I was going to go off for about 10 Uh. minutes Well, I guess what I'm most focused on right now is that juicy three seed. And certainly, we don't mean to be too dismissive of the Celtics, but if Kyrie Irving is not back, maybe they're favored in round one, depending on who the matchup is. Hard to say that they'd be favored in round two. So against the Sixers team or the Cavaliers. So that race, you imagine, is going to be a pretty tough one from here on out. And the Sixers, as we've talked about, only really have two real games left one against the Cavs, which is going to be huge. Is that game at home? That's at home, right? Yes, that game is in Philadelphia. The Sixers haven't for a couple, for like a week now, they haven't had to play a road game against a potential playoff team. All their tough games are at home. Yeah, and then they played the Bucs on what, the last day of the season. And Yeah, and Milwaukee could be locked in at that point as well. So that game, it looks, it's tough on paper right now, but it might not be anymore. Yeah, and while Joel Embiid did suffer a facial contusion and have to leave today's game, he did not have a concussion and x-rays were negative for a facial fracture so the hope is that he won't necessarily miss time and and also they're playing atlanta in their next
next game so they may not need him anyway the Sixers projected right now to finish one game ahead of the Cleveland Cavaliers at 50 and 32 amazing to think of the Sixers team with 50 wins uh the Cavs are 45 and 30 after a relatively easy win another ridiculous LeBron performance in Charlotte tonight with 41 points and the Cavaliers currently have a half game lead at 45 and 36 or 44 and 30 but the Sixers have the easier schedule going forward and, and have been playing better although worth noting that the Cavaliers with Kevin Love and without Isaiah Thomas actually have a pretty damn good record this year and Love is in the concussion protocol now but hopefully will return relatively soon after he also uh, got a tooth loosened with a collision last night what's the Cavs remaining schedule look like what are their hard games so they play at the Sixers I think that's right around the last week of the season then they host the pelicans and i haven't heard anything yet with with anthony davis that would be bad for them if like that's one of the games that he is not 100 percent. and then they host the raptors and the wizards as well so i think the reason why it's a little and right now the sixers and Cavs are tied in the loss column part of the reason why 538's model and my own project my own like kind of intuition is favors the sixers is just that the Cavs have more of these maybe not coin flip games but let's call it like a 35 percent chance of losing and if you just pile up up a couple of those you might get you might get caught in one of them and Cleveland especially with their inconsistency defensively they can just get caught in a game and that's just harder for the Sixers because they don't play that many actually trying teams yeah LeBron you know usually would be resting this time of year you'll remember that he rested last year in a game against Miami but he actually played against Miami a game of course that they lost yesterday oh he never really plays well in Miami but fortunately I don't think they play the heat anymore on the road this year and and the next interesting question here is the Pacers. They're actually projected now with two wins on either side of them. They picked up a win, which the projection systems did not expect them to against Golden State last night, but none of the Warriors' four All-Stars played, of course. So the Pacers projected at 47 wins, but actually projected to go three and four the rest of the way uh, to get to that 47. Their schedule is quite difficult, but they have a two and a half game lead on the Wizards. So it really would be quite difficult. The Wizards projected to finish with 45 wins. The Pacers already have 44. And uh, so it's starting to look like the Pacers are a pretty decent bet for uh, that number five seed. And the question will be, the Pacers have had some success against the Sixers this year, but the question will be whether, you know, they're going to face the Sixers or the Cavaliers. I mean, how ugly is that? If you get the five seed, you could face Cavs and Raptors, which is, you know, I'm sure most people are thinking those are the two best looking teams in the conference right now i think indiana's schedule is a little bit overstated part of that being charlotte will be i think at that point the last two games are against charlotte which again i hate that from scheduling purposes what regardless of the opponent and toronto they play in their third to last game toronto might be have already clinched home court by that point so like actually clinched it yeah, not and, and they might right even have clinched it over the warriors at that point too for a potential it's NBA possible. finals home yeah court. and then the game before that they play the warriors and they're def- the warriors are definitely not having Steph Curry in that game they will probably assuming no further injuries have Durant and, and Draymond Green yeah. so I think that the, the Pacers could push this a little and they could put a little bit of heat on the Sixers and the Cavs because they're only one game behind the lost column but they're basically going to have to win out or, or close to it and so you know they, they can deliver and put a little bit and the other the benefit of that is also that they would just clarify the, the five and then they might not have to push as hard at the end of the season and get physically right for the playoffs and, and whoever they're going to face and they do not have any more games against against potential opponents so uh, 
we don't get any of that kind of fun stuff. And so I draw a line of separation between there. And it, it is entirely possible, I guess, that the Wizards or the Heat or somebody could go on a crazy run but to pass the Pacers, but they would the Wizards would have to come, you know, reasonably close to winning out. And then they're competing to a degree, the Wizards are, with Miami and Milwaukee. And the Wizards are two games ahead in the loss column of both of those teams. And I would say overall that they have a, a harder schedule. A lot of that depends on how you feel about Miami's last two games against OKC and Toronto. The OKC game, I'm guessing the Thunder are still going to be trying, but Toronto might be out at that point because everything else for Miami before those two games is a cakewalk. Well, we could really see some interesting shit here now because seven to me, that might be my second favorite place to be in the entire bracket after three. Well, and theoretically, let's say you're Cleveland or somebody like that who feels like you want to make it to the conference finals. If you have to go through Boston, you'd rather go through them in the first round than try to go through them in the second in case they make it because then they might have Kyrie. Yeah, hard to imagine that the Cavs could fall down that low, but I could very much see the Heat, who are projected to finish 45 and 37, identical to the Wizards right now. Heat projected to go 5 and 2 down the end, uh, but the Heat are a game and a half behind the Wizards as of now. So I could very much see the Heat just saying, let's just shut it down. We're, uh, although they are only a half game ahead of the Bucks as well, so that's a, another problem. I mean, it'll be, it's going to be very delicate, I think, between the Wizards, Heat, and Bucks to try to see if there's a way to ease into that seven seed, not get too much higher and have to face the Sixers or possibly the Cavs, you know, because they they might not know it could go down to the end of the season, whether that's going to be Cavs or Sixers there too. Uh, but I think either Sixers or Cavs are a more formidable opponent right now than the likely Kyrie-less and Marcus Smart-less Celtics. Uh, although I certainly expect that the Brad Stevens and the Celtics are, will give, uh, and that Boston Garden crowd will give any team there all they can handle. But if you're looking at not having home court advantage, clearly the Celtics are, are the team you want to play out of those top four seeds uh, in the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee is currently projected by 538 to be two games behind the Heat and the Wizards. So they're projected to have 43. I think part of that is because they're not playing as well right now. I mean, they lost against the Clippers, a game that ended up getting more competitive a little bit late, but they have five remaining road games and three home games. Playing Boston at home could be a challenge with how feisty the Celtics have been. They play at the Warriors, at Denver, and at Philly in the, at Philly in the last game of the year. So Yeah, but but the Bucks I play the Warriors on Thursday. That's probably projected as a loss for them. But Oh, it yeah, is. And K, but KD and Draymond are probably to be back, but you imagine neither of them are going to play a ton of minutes in that one and you know kd coming off a rib injury uh Draymond coming off a pelvic contusion i don't know how much they want him guarding like Giannis in the post or something like that so uh you know they could very easily win that game uh they have always matched up well against the warriors as well in this iteration so i'm uh i'd be very interested to see what happens there and so really too early to say for all these and then just catching up on some of the injured news for those teams john wall has practiced five on five twice now some possibility that he could return tomorrow against these considered questionable tomorrow against Detroit and then Indiana's looking pretty healthy right now. DeMontis Sabonis had missed six straight uh, with an ankle injury. He returned, looked just fine against the Warriors yesterday, but Trevor Booker went down with what looked like a pretty difficult ankle injury. They're probably going to go to more of GR3 at the four rather than bringing out Al Jefferson. They also can play Sabonis and Turner together, a lineup that's looked a little bit better of late. So Indiana looking pretty healthy here. And then Miami, Dwayne Wade has returned from that hamstring and his son Whiteside practiced fully Wednesday and 
and is listed as questionable for Thursday's game. So he could be back. Miami could actually be at full strength outside, of course, Deion Waiters, who, who had season-ending surgery. Should we shift it over to the Western Conference now? Well, actually, there's one more piece that we should okay. talk about. Uh, according to our friend Tim Bontemps, Malcolm Brogdon oh, yeah. is doing, he's doing sprints at, at the practice. They're, the Bucks are in town because they're playing the Warriors on Thursday. And Joe Prunty, their coach, did not want to put a timeline on it, but they're hoping he'll be back before the playoffs begin. And considering some of the struggles they've had at, at backup guard, getting Brogdon back at anything close to 100% would be great. I'm sad you just changed that typo because that typo was fantastic. <laughs> uh, yes, it- Thon Maker is uh, out with uh, a right grain strain. And frankly, that probably would just push, and especially if Brogdon can come back. I don't know how bad it's considered a strain, so maybe not that bad for Maker. But the more they play Giannis at center these days, probably the better, frankly, uh, considering how bad uh, their bigs have been this year. So now let us turn to the Western Conference. There are certain parallels between the West and the East in that the top two seeds are, are set. The Rockets will be the one seed. The Warriors' magic number... Oh, no, they they clinched the two seed because the Blazers lost to Memphis. That's right. So they have the two. We know that the real question there is whether the Warriors can pass or the, the Raptors and Warriors in terms of theoretical home court in the finals, but that's the only significance of that particular matchup. It looked a lot more stable with Portland on the three line before they lost at Memphis, a game that, you know, certainly it's surprising because Memphis has, you know, been broadly awful this year, though they did beat Minnesota a little while ago, but Damian Lillard did not play in that game due to the birth of his child so that is certainly a mitigating factor in terms of predicting where it's going from the future like i wouldn't throw too much in that and now after that loss what what it did is it swung the blazers from having a three-game lead in the loss column on the remaining teams in the west to having a two-game lead so i still think they are the significant favorites for getting that three seed because they have some runway and they also have enough winnable games and it's not like any west team this is a big difference from the east just because so many of these tanking teams are out east they just that nobody has this just cake schedule with like five six games left where they're just only playing like tank teams or whatever well complicating matters for the blazers i'm a bit less sanguine about your chance their chances of holding on to the three i think they probably will but uh than you are is the fact that mo harkless undergoing arthroscopic surgery on his left knee and he's to be reevaluated in two weeks and recovery could range from two to three weeks uh, you know i think that uh arthroscopic knee surgery recovery could take a little bit longer than two to three weeks danny yeah, the last guy who had that kind of a uh, an optimistic profile projection was Darren Collison, and Darren Collison, his the last game he played in was February or was February third, and then he did not play again until March 9th. and he had again like it was like a two week projection. He ended up missing a month. That was a shorter month, but still about the same. Yeah, it ended up being a little bit more than four weeks, and even that is a quick return from orthopedic knee surgery. So we didn't really find out exactly what the procedure is that. Uh, no doubt it's minimally, minimally invasive, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and pencil Harkless as not really playing in the first round, uh, I think. And it's really a shame for him because he'd been playing so well. Although, at least he has secured uh, his $500,000 bonus again for shooting over 35% from three. But he had really been a huge part of the resurgence. Obviously, Dame Lillard was also. But the fact that he could hit threes and was being aggressive shooting them, now with Evan Turner out there 
getting a ton more minutes. I mean, we've seen teams just not guard him at all. And, you know, I, I was talking about this uh, with uh, Brandon Golder, a local Portland guy, that, you know, Turner has shot it a little bit better this year. And that's, you know, that, that could be good if he's shooting in the low 30s instead of in the 20s. But even if he goes, you know, two out of four or three out of five in a game, he's really got to shoot like eight or 10 and make a bunch of them before teams start guarding him. If teams aren't going to guard him, then you know that's 75 possessions a game if he's playing big minutes that his man is gumming up the works and okay yeah you hit a three-pointer on five possessions but it, it still gets to be a major issue and so I think that the loss of Harkless is going to hurt them a lot they're offense really started to take off when Harkless played a little bit more or even when Turner's role simply was minimized and so Dave Millard should be back you know he missed today's game due to the birth of his child but I think maybe especially because this is a Portland team that was probably a little over their heads anyway I could see them you know kind of falling back to the pack a, a little bit uh aiming to add a, on their schedule to further elucidate that yeah I mean one of their big games is going to be Friday they host the Clippers and that will probably be a do or die game for the Clippers just because they're a little bit behind we'll talk about them later but after that Memphis Dallas so those should be wins and then at Houston at the Spurs at Denver host Utah at the end so those games will vacillate in terms of how hard the opponents are trying Houston will probably clinch everything by that point San Antonio will probably still be playing for something Denver and Utah will have to see so I it is tough I think that's certainly a fair argument to make but it's not really any easier for the teams that are around them and so the closest team I said they had a two-game lead they have a two-game lead in the loss column on just Oklahoma City and Oklahoma City has a lot of tough games they play at the Spurs at the Pels at the Rockets and at the Heat and then their home games Nuggets Warriors and then the Grizz on the last day of the year so you know losing a couple of those games will be completely justified so I think they just have the, the Blazers have a little bit more flexibility but it is far from a lock at this point I think that's certainly fair to say I will get to the rest of the West playoff picture momentarily but first this from Sonos which has transformed the sound in my house and while it is remarkably easy to set up i saw everything that they did for me their up and running service installed sonos using a trained expert absolutely free all you have to do is go to sonos.com and select up and running at checkout if you qualify in a major metropolitan area what's nice about sonos is how easy it is to simply connect to any sonos speaker in different parts of your house And it's just so much more reliable technology than, sorry, Bluetooth, which for me, I had all these Bluetooth speakers arrayed around the house so I could like listen to podcasts or music when I was doing chores or working out or whatever. And I would hack into it and then calls would come in and I couldn't answer the call because all the sound was routed through the Bluetooth. And then I'd try to make it media only on the Bluetooth and that would just never work for some reason. It really, Bluetooth is a miserable technology and Sonos, it's just always connected through your home wireless and you can still do plenty of other stuff on your phone while it's connected and that up and running makes it even easier to get started with them and if you do want to get started with them go to sonos.com and use the promo code dunk 10 d-u-n-c 10 and that'll get you 10 percent off one order of 2500 dollars or less it's offers available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions use that promo code dunk 10 d-u-n-c 10 d-u-n-c 10 at sonos.com and let them know with that code that you came from us so okay see uh uh, because Billy Donovan said, I've got confidence in Carmelo and we're going to go to him in that situation after 
after he's had some late game foibles i think we can just assume they're gonna lose every close game that they're in from now on god who was that do you remember who that game was against i watched it and was going just belligerent because of how bad mellows that's right yeah then that that game you know was bit was big in terms of seeding yeah. if, if imagine right now if okc had won that game i mean then they would be tied in no they wouldn't yeah they'd be tied in the last column right now and it, it was and, a shame for portland because they'd had such an awesome road trip beating new orleans and okc on back-to-back nights that then dame lillard had to go back obviously it's it's a blessing for him but uh it's just a, a shame that all that great work they did kind of had to be undone with that loss to memphis tonight although you can certainly argue that they could have taken care of business anyway um but yeah, OKC, I mean, do you think they're on track for the four seed right now? That's what the projection is uh, what, for them to be one game ahead of the rest of the morass at 48 wins. I think that's fair to be the expectation right now, but it is it is far from certainty being just tough. I said four challenging road games, the OKC Spurs on Thursday is going to be absolutely massive for both of those teams just because it gives them a leg up on this morass. So actually, I'll lay out that whole thing. So Thunder at 31 losses, Pelicans and spurs at 32 jazz and wolves at 33 that would theoretically be the eighth seed clippers at 34 nuggets at 35 and the clippers have uh, proved resilient they had a nice win over the bucks last night they're up to 41 percent playoff odds though interestingly enough no other team is below 84 percent. but there are i mean one of those teams could hit a cold spell or you know if anthony davis just sprains an ankle again you know that's what happened in that game i think it was against portland and he was able to return but you know that's something that could happen to him at any time uh if rudy go bear gets injured or and for the spurs lamarcus aldridge i mean he has missed their last game he'd been absolutely on fire he's putting up 30 basically like every game uh, he'd been awesome but now uh nebulous left knee soreness clean mri but is questionable for that huge game as you mentioned against the, the thunder and then the wolves they've gotten through i think the super hard part of their schedule without butler still no word on when he might return and carl towns dropped 56 against the hawks tonight so he's been locked in and he took 31 shots and uh someone tweeted i think it was haverstrow wouldn't it be great if carl towns could take 31 shots every night and i completely agree yeah and so so let's let's kind of go through the schedules a little bit so i i talked about okc new orleans at cleveland host okc host memphis at phoenix at the warriors at the clippers and host the spurs so that's a, a nice little grab bag some some games they certainly could win a couple games that'll be challenging but i would say they have a meaningful chance in all those games assuming anthony davis can stay healthy san antonio hosts oklahoma city and houston then they go on the road against the, the two la teams it's the most reasonable road back-to-back in the league because they play two games against in the same stadium at the staples center then they host portland and sack and then they end the season again i love this so much ending the season new orleans and san antonio potentially with big playoff implications hearkening back to just that absolutely insane game in 2015 yeah uh, that and that obviously had huge results there as the, the spurs got dropped into the fifth seed and then lost the clippers in the first round a few other notes on these teams in new orleans gail benson following the the death of her husband tom said that she will never sell either the pelicans or the saints benson said i don't think there's any other choice i think that the only thing that you could do is keep his legacy alive where else would you go i'm from new orleans my husband was from new orleans we're just one big family over there i would never sell it no pretty definitive uh other news for them rondo has been out a couple of games with a a wrist injury but could return for their next game and uh, alexia jinsa probably noteworthy if only because maybe this could be a career-ending injury that could give them some relief for next year 
has he played it all this year it's been very early on he has it, it was like he played like in like the first couple games of the season i don't really feel like looking it up right now but uh he had a surgery on his left patellar tendon oh this is yeah. interesting he has not oh i was wrong. oh okay yeah I was, I, maybe they're talking about potentially playing so if he hasn't played it yeah, all he this played year, in he played in the last game of last season of the uh, he played on april 12th 2017 and that was the last game alex agents has played in so there's some possibility that next year is the last year of his contract that's about five million but that's five million in space and luxury luxury tax and a potential hard cap that they could desperately use so maybe they will try to apply for a career ending injury um agenza this latest injury is four to six months and he's been out all year so i don't know this doesn't quite fit the profile yet of career ending but if he's on board with it maybe they'll be able to get there and apply i mean they could apply as soon as the one-year anniversary of the last game that he played which would be the end of this season essentially so that so yeah, I mean, if they was, yeah. could do their summer shopping knowing that he's off the books that would actually be a uh, pretty big for them it would be and just i mean the speculation has been will they even be able to use somewhere all of their mid-level exception and i mean especially if demarcus cousins comes back i mean the, the money's going to get really tight even if he takes less than the full max it's still going to get really tight because they already paid drew holiday they already paid anthony davis and then they have you know a couple other meaningful contracts on the books including solomon hill and i mean one concern was oh are they gonna have to dump Miritich to get under the tax and if they could clear five million the math gets a little bit easier for them which would certainly be a good thing uh, oh w- one more thing spur- uh, on the uh, this sure. isn't really on the puzzle you mentioned demarcus uh my fiance knows basketball enough to know who De- demarcus is and so our cat three when he like doesn't want to be pet he'll kind of make this face and she's like he looks like he's like demarcus cousins when like a call doesn't go his way and so now he started calling him Thramarcus cousins uh because his name is three uh but that, that might be a better anecdote for the twitter nba show uh and i assume you're not laughing your ass off right now because you're muted that that's clearly what it is but uh yeah that's uh the cat is making faces this is what happens when you get to be old and you're a cat i guess he's into middle age now while we're talking about these teams we can also a little bit on the spurs it was a couple days ago but there was that the shade from tony parker on Kawhi leonard was pretty oh my spectacular God, this pissed me off so, so much like like noted great teammate tony parker really like has such a fucking high horse to stand on here what an asshole so so tony parker two different things that he said so and this was i think these were in the same media availability he said and these are direct quotes i've been through it it was a rehab for me for eight months same kind of injury brackets is Kawhi, but mine was a hundred times worse but the same kind of injury you just stay positive and then the other one was when talking about whether he uh was going to get a second opinion and he said i could have gone anywhere but I trust my Spurs doctors. They have been with me my whole career. They know my body better than anybody. I feel like we have the best medical team in the world. Yeah, and Parker, it was reported, was uh, at the forefront of that veterans meeting to basically like pressure Kawhi for an answer about playing. Like, I think the guy wants to come back and play. Like, he's not being a wuss. You know, there's like, he has a team of doctors in New York that he's seen that says, hey, you know what? Like, we don't think he should play yet. So, and he doesn't feel comfortable. And think of all the times in history when like the player knows right when you don't feel right you're the only one who knows your body like people are not like malingerous Kawhi Leonard is obviously a hard enough worker and competitive enough that he's reached like an MVP level of play he's improved his skill development really more than anyone ever thought possible like the guy is not a malingerer and 
you know maybe there's a little bit of concern like oh he wants to protect himself to get this huge contract in the offseason that he's going to be eligible for but he obviously came back and played and, and he didn't feel right so I, I i just hate comments like this and i mean think of like you know that going back to like that Lou Dang comment of that the organization the bulls organization had about him back in, in 2009 there was basically this implication that he was like wussing out with this stress fracture and like oh we want him to challenge himself physically and then like oh yeah no he actually had a broken leg as it turns out that you didn't diagnose like you know when your body is not right i I really this whole thing really annoys me and especially coming from a person with as little moral leg to stand on as tony parker uh very annoying so san antonio i'll just go through their schedule a little bit oh yeah i already mentioned a host okc in houston then the lakers games then portland sacramento and new orleans and they've been so inconsistent other than the win streak when LaMarcus actually played that there was this weird stat. I think Jeff McDonald had this that they've only won two road games all year which is pretty ridiculous or two road games in year I mean calendar year not league year obviously yeah and the Spurs and, used to be one of the league's best you know they would go on that rodeo trip every year and kill people but obviously a different Spurs team right so so they'll just have to take care of business and a lot of it will also depend on who's who's available who's healthy like for yeah. example when they host Houston you know will James Harden play in that game or will James Harden sit like he did against the Bulls yeah and uh, good to see the Rockets rest Harden uh, by the way also worth doing with the Rockets they released Brandon Wright uh, who just was not able to get healthy for them he's still going to try and rehab in Houston's facility you know you could see him maybe coming back uh, on a, a make good you know one year nine guaranteed type of contract next year and good to see that Houston is kind of you know hopefully they believe that Harden has the MVP sewn up which I believe he does and they can get him some rest get Chris Paul some rest down the end here no man they need to play James Harden in that Phoenix game so we can get a repeat of what we did on the Twitter NBA show oh God. that game where where they scored what was that 80 in the first half uh 85. no I think they scored 90 God that was ridiculous one of the one of those games that kind of falls down the memory hole of the season just because so many other things happen and currently you know so so the teams that are tied at 33 losses are the Jazz and the Wolves big difference right now between being the seven and the eight and of course both those teams could move up plenty I mean the next two teams yeah. are one game ahead of them in the loss column the Jazz could but, have gotten could have been on track for the four seed if they hadn't just lost that game to the skeleton Celtics tonight yeah because they have a, a pretty solid schedule it's not as cake as some of their earlier parts but they host Memphis both LA teams and then the Warriors in a game the Warriors might not be trying too hard in other than maybe to keep the Jazz off of their line whatever has to happen there and then they their only road games are at Minnesota at the Lakers and at Portland so that's you know it's reasonable it's a mix and then Minnesota beat Atlanta today in that game when town scored 56 at Dallas host Utah at Denver at the Lakers and then they host Memphis and Denver and so playing Denver twice in the last four games could end up being significant just based on where the Nuggets are that last game of the year I would expect that the Nuggets will know their fate by that point but the one about a week before Denver will probably still be gunning in that one Blazers Jazz a game that I will be at in Portland when I'm at the Hoop Summit you go to any games when you're in Orlando by the way (laughs) I mean there was a part of me that was sitting there going you know you're there you could end up seeing like a tank game in person and all this and I'm like oh yeah that's right I covered the Warriors back when they tanked to get Harrison Barnes and all that kind of stuff I've seen this before I don't need to see it again yeah although when's the next time you're ever going to get a chance to be in Orlando and see that arena though I don't know I go there every couple years um 
But yeah, that game is going to be huge in one way or another, right? Maybe the Blazers have the three seeds sewn up and they're not trying. Or maybe they want to have a matchup that they would prefer to come into the sixth seed. And, or maybe they feel like they would rather play the Rockets instead of the Warriors. And they would rather be four. Or maybe, you know, there's, maybe they want to avoid whoever's in the sixth seed. Maybe they don't want to play the Jazz. So they try to make the Jazz lose or make the Jazz win. I mean, there's going to be so many crazy implications to that Jazz Blazers game, even if the Blazers kind of have things sewn up there uh so who gut feeling right now i mean do you think the clips have a chance and if they do who is the most likely to drop out so you've been finding the schedule stuff more closely than i have the clippers do have a chance they will have to earn it because they play a lot of good teams that are still trying at portland at utah are the big ones and they have a lot of home games against talented teams pels the the pacers and the spurs among them i think they they just have to take care of business but they can i would say the most likely team to fall out i'll say it's the spurs just because of lamarcus's issues like that basically to me they're the prototypical nine in an eight-team race where it's going to take them playing well and somebody falling and san antonio due to injury stuff i mean you could say new orleans as well but it's i think that's what's going to do it rather than a team truly hitting a cold spell though i will caution people because a couple of these teams have really tough games upcoming there's going to be a lot of movement in the west in the next couple days so like probably by sunday when we when we're talking about some of these teams for 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 various purposes things will feel different but i think a lot of it will then kind of equalize because some of those teams have easier games after that yeah clippers at jazz could be a huge swing game over the weekend as well and that'll bring back ugly memories for utah fans from two years ago when they missed the playoffs in part because they lost a game at home to a clippers team that wasn't trying at all and just had you know rested all their guys and jamal crawford just killed them down the end and that's the game that ended up keeping them out of the playoffs and also maybe incidentally helped cause kobe's 60 point game uh since utah had already been eliminated from the playoffs that year um and we're and we're thankful for that because that i still think that's one of the best podcasts we ever did yeah no that 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 one was a fun one um and then Denver, they're only one game behind the Clippers, but I said the Clippers were going to have to earn it. Denver is even stronger because Denver's last 10 games, they now have seven left, were all against teams that are still in this playoff mix. And, you know, so they had not only have to gain ground, but they have to gain ground playing exclusively against competitive teams. And what's really unfortunate for Denver also is that they're not playing the teams that are settled. Like these aren't playing Boston or playing the Warriors after they're doing everything. No, this is more in the Indiana. Minnesota type range and I said I already said that earlier that they played Minnesota twice in the last four games so they're gonna have to to work really hard it's possible Denver you know they've, they've won some games against talented opponents this season but I mean that's why you can't can't lose games that you're ahead in can't lose games to these bad teams like they did they lost yeah that was to Memphis that they lost god Memphis is causing all these existential crises well and, and think of some of these losses that the, the Nuggets have had they lost to Miami they lost to Memphis and then they just they haven't been able to pick up up, other than that one road game against the Cavs they haven't been able to pick up any games that they weren't supposed to win right so they they got 40 wins right now I mean we're looking at the Wolves as the projected eighth seed right now with 46 wins and they'd have to jump over the Clippers so they've only got seven games left so at a minimum I think the Nuggets have got to go six and one to really get in this conversation and the odds of that are pretty low and then even then it may not be good enough either and that's why they have 11 percent playoff odds right now yeah I, and I don't really have much opposition 
to that number yeah. at this point. And, and, and Gary Harris and is can, out too. He, he is doubtful for yeah. Friday. There had been talk that he might be able to return at the beginning of this week. That had not been the case with that knee sprain, and so doubtful for Friday. You have to imagine that means you know it's going to be at least you know another five six days. I, I don't know when they play after Friday, but uh, it doesn't appear like his, his return will be imminent, especially now considering how uh, unlikely it is to really pushing him back. A, a guy that they reach that extension with that just kicks in this uh off season for four years not something you really want to mess around with with his health especially with a knee issue um a couple other notes here uh, on these teams with the wolves we mentioned butler's return he is not taking any contact yet this has been five weeks now the initial timeline of course was four to six weeks so what a surprise he is probably not going to come back even within those six weeks um and probably shouldn't obviously either so i you really have to question how much he's going to be able to contribute uh, down the stretch here maybe he can get back for the start of playoffs I and mean, we basically got what two weeks left here so or, or two and a half weeks left here um in golden state steve kerr is saying there's no way that steph curry is going to play in the first round that i think would make the warriors more vulnerable especially depending on the matchup uh you know if it's spurs without Kawhi, if it's minnesota without butler yeah okay i think they'll be fine if they get a bad matchup eh, you know it's uh I, i'm not i mean I, I would still favor them in that series but i'm not gonna go too crazy um by the way illustrating the limits of these projection systems the warriors are, are given only six percent chance of actually uh winning the title right now by 538 which is uh massively too low despite the way that, that they've been playing any other news here for these playoff teams i guess the the clipper injuries uh, as well yeah milos tezosic was having a highlight heavy first half against the milwaukee bucks and then had to leave the game due to the left plantar fascia and it's just unfortunate for him it's really dogged this season his first season in the NBA. And as you've said before, this related to a few different guys, a tear with plantar fascia can actually be better just because then you can, you have to rehab it, but it can actually heal properly as opposed to being a nagging issue. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, he suffered this, what, like three games into the season and it's been a problem the whole year. I mean, and, and he sat out for a month and a half. You know I mean? He didn't even really come back until like Christmas after that initial, uh, like 10 game jag or so. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, usually I think that's like, you know, a six week, two month injury if you tear it and you can't play but at least then you know in theory it's fixed again um well we should do gallinari yes so. yeah i got it <laughs> i mean he's he's got your Kawhi is my gallo at this point yeah Gall- gallinari like so they they made the made the reference years ago that elgin baylor was a lottery veteran gallinari is a dunked on injury list veteran he's basically in every single oh my god outline well, that and, we and do it's for like this. and what sucks about it is like it hasn't been you know an injury where it's like all right he's gonna come back in eight weeks so we'll talk about him eight weeks from now there's always like some nebulous thing it's his glued and like then we don't know the timetable then he ends up taking longer so like we have to talk about him every time it's just like all right you know so finally from that hand injury he's doing some shooting hasn't taken contact yet but could return in a couple of days uh and then we'll immediately get injured two games after that but getting him back i mean if he's good you know that could really boost their fortunes uh joking aside absolutely it absolutely could and then the last injury from these playoff teams we'll get into the other stuff in a bit hull neto is going to be out still a little bit longer but a real bright light 
for the Jazz. Dante Exum has looked good. He's looked very good. He had a nice highlight block today. He's been dynamic with the ball in his hands, you know, been fast, looking good. And so the Jazz needed somebody. Exum has stepped up to a degree and that's great for them. Let's talk about this and then I have one thing to say. I watched a little, a a fair portion of that game today and there's just one point I want to make. Well, I don't know what the hell you're just setting me up for, so you might as well just make that point. (laughs) Oh, I I didn't know if you had any thoughts on Hall Neto. Oh, like him missing time. No, no, I'm, uh, I'm okay on that. So I completely understand in the regular season why, and, and just in, in an abstract situation, why teams don't have these detailed scouting reports in their heads, especially for rookies. But I just cracked up because we had just finished on, I can't remember what day show that was. Maybe that was Monday talking about Semi Ojale and how he just absolutely can't shoot and how that's really, it's going to be the defining part of his career. You know, he's built like a brick, brick wall and that's great, but he has to be able to make some shots. And at the very end of the game today, where the skeleton crew tie game, Boston has the ball and it ends up in Ojale's hands at the three point line with, I think it was about four seconds to go. And both Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were coming from that, from closer to him and both kind of sold out to get to Ojale and all Ojale wanted to do was not take that shot. So he passes it to Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown fires it, makes the three with 0.3 seconds left and they win the game. And again, I understand why it, Utah play a team twice yeah. a year. Well, well and, and also they didn't know in. exactly how much time was left, right? They felt like if you have right. a guy who's open for a three, it doesn't really matter who it is with, you know, under exactly. three seconds left. I, I think they... It's like yeah. the only exception. The only exception that, is yeah. Semi Ojale with enough time that, to make That was pass. an unbelievable, so unbelievable play from Stevenson. I think he ran it for oh, yeah. Ojale knowing that he would be guarded by Gobert. Uh, he had Rozier drive and throw a hook pass to Ojale who was guarding guarded by Gobert. Gobert tried to close out. Mitchell tried to X out to him and then Jalen Braun stepped out. It was kind of like a Spain pick and roll type of action but instead of Ojale rolling to the basket he just cleared out to the weak side and then Brown this would have been amazing footwork for 99% of the game but actually like he made his the shot so much more difficult because he stepped back behind the three-point line as he was catching it but he just drained it he was so wide open uh but he could have just caught it right there from long two and shot it but just his instincts are we actually had talked on the previous show about how he's not taking any long twos uh but that was great footwork really big shot and uh awesome celebration by Jason Tatum too just like slapping him in the chest but really an ugly loss for Utah in part because you know Boston went 11 to 21 from three and Utah was you know six out of 29 or something pretty ugly um yeah nine out of 33 nine out of 33 eventually yeah. also the Jazz turned the ball over 16 times that was even for both teams but you know being a little bit more reasonable with the ball in their hands would have certainly helped Gobert had four turnovers in, interestingly enough and yeah I mean that that loss just changes the margins for the Jazz we don't know and I was talking about this a little bit in another game where I said oh the biggest winner that was oh the game that Memphis beat when Memphis beat the Wolves I'm like the biggest winners of the Hawks and they're like well what about all these teams in the other mix and I said well we don't know where all those seeds are going to break out so it's possible that games like that are going to end up looming large but if Utah ends up at the at the seven and that's where they want to be then it's not catastrophic for them I, I don't think Utah would want to be at the seven um you, you think they'd rather play Portland than the Warriors yeah oh yeah I think that's probably still fair even without Steph yeah I think so um and especially if the if Portland's without Harkless too um okay so do a quick read here and then we'll get back to get some more news and obviously uh what everyone's salivating over the tank race unfortunately you're not going to have a chance to, to see Steph Curry for a while Steve Curry said he's out for the first round Steph said eh you know I'm hoping to prove that wrong but we'll see it's like that greed to MCL but you really your only chance to see Steph Curry right now is through his master class which I uh, have watched now it's really both the Steph's 
class and, and some of the other ones it's such a great chance to get an intimate setting to learn from the best in the world at, at what they do stuff maybe the best shooter in, in nba history four hours of great quality video lessons i've got this big monitor really enjoyed watching his class on that he's got drills that'll make you a better shooter better ball handler great gift for any nba fan any aspiring young player as well even analyzes nba game footage to help improve basketball iq and it's not just steph curry's masterclass that's available you know you might get this for a kid or somebody who knows who plays basketball and then use the rest of the all access pass to break into some of their other stuff like bob woodward on investigative journal and annie Leibovitz on photography multiple great chefs that teach you how to cook as well malcolm gladwell just uh filmed one about writing i'm not sure if that one's out yet but it will be imminently so the way to get started with them is masterclass.com slash cap space with that new all access pass you can unlock every class from over 30 masters all for the price of two and they are adding to their catalog all the time here learn from the best in the world at masterclass.com slash cap space these are in that slash cap space url we talk about it all the time here on the program masterclass.com slash cap space let them know that you came from us so let's do a little bit of news quickly here on the non-taking and non-playoff race teams of which there are very few but lots of news from the lakers starting with the fact that isaiah thomas at age 29 becoming as has been much publicized a free agent this offseason will undergo arthroscopic surgery on that hip that has so plagued him on thursday in new york and is expected to have an extended rehabilitation process it could very well turn out that the team that gives isaiah thomas his next contract is going to be very very excited about it because because his time in Cleveland was just an abject disaster. And then in LA, it's been a little bit more of a mixed bag. But the idea of basically giving him a lot of money right now, the Brinks truck is not coming. But well, if he got I it all still... in pennies or something, then maybe. Yeah, I guess. But that will be a real challenge for him just to assess value. What kind of salary? What kind of guarantees? How many years? All of that kind of stuff. I mean, this is when agents really make their money. And, and not in the way that his agents really hoped they were going to be making their money in his case and there is uh, one thing that was interesting in Woj's reporting on it was that the Lakers still haven't as he said continue to hold an interest in exploring a free agent deal with him why that is compelling is because the Lakers are you know widely touted as the cap space team this year they can clear more money than anybody else there are a lot of different ways they could use it I am guessing Isaiah is more of a fallback option for them unless he were willing to take the room mid-level but you know I guess it's good for him that his current team is still interested in bringing him back a few thoughts on this I mean no Number one, obviously, we talk about guys who are big winners in the business of the NBA. Very unfortunate that Isaiah Thomas is a big loser. Started off as a second round pick, the 60th pick, made nothing those first three years, then was a restricted free agent, was able to get what I thought was a market level deal at that time, four years, 28 million from the Suns and but for a guy who'd made basically no money in his career he had to take a a deal that was not starter level money even though maybe he had shown that level of talent certainly it was great for him to be traded to Boston he blossomed there he was unbelievable and you know a deserving all-star selection two years in a row and then with this injury just such unfortunate timing for him that that his star rose in the middle of his contract and right at the time his contract ends now uh this injury has been such a problem 
difficult to say with him you know when this hip injury happened how much playing through it last year really hurt him you know obviously the fact that he was traded i would feel just as aggrieved as he does you know your platitudes that it's a business aside uh, he, he definitely you know i mean he still has uh, should have enough money to live on very comfortably for the rest of his life but could have been a guy if he'd been a free agent at a different time who you know had over a hundred million dollar contract and, and i think it's very unlikely that he's ever going to even you know if he makes 50 million over the rest of his career i'd be very surprised if he makes 30 million over the rest of his career that might be like an over under we'll see what ends up happening with like a one-year deal but if he's gonna have an extended rehabilitation process i mean remember he basically went from may of last year beginning of june of last year all the way until january rehabbing and i don't know whether he heard it again or just was continuing to experience soreness but i think if i had to guess it would be the latter and it was clear while he had played better for the lakers that was mostly just his three-pointer going in a little bit more and clearly his finishing at the rim was still compromised and so that's probably why it seemed like all right he tried to rehab he tried to not have the surgery and come back and i'm not sure whether the surgery is really going to fix anything either you know for him at this point maybe that's why he didn't have the surgery that was deemed as as a last resort or maybe it was hey you know what i gotta play this year i gotta get this new contract and then maybe i'll have the surgery or maybe i can just rehab it again and deal with the pain whatever it was it just doesn't seem to have worked out for him i'm not sure that anyone really deserves blame for that but it it is a a shame for a guy who i think you know especially with all the stuff he went through last year in the playoffs including the death of his sister so i was rooting for to get a big contract and it saddens me that that seems unlikely to happen now in other lakers news travis ware who has been i believe he's played on the south bay lakers most of the year he but he has had a 10-day he signed a rest of the season contract and they presumably didn't give him make it a multi-season that's a lot of what we're seeing around this time of year is you get some sort of some sort of element for next season and considering the lakers as was discussed briefly earlier are a prohibitive cap space team they might ju- not have just wanted to take on that risk of like just having to deal with it well the thinking is even if they made it totally non-guaranteed for next year which they could he still would cost more with that non-guarantee than just an empty roster slot would or his cap hold would and they wouldn't even need to have his cap hold they could just totally renounce him as well and just re-sign him to the minimum as even as a restricted free agent they could make him the qualifying offer rescind the qualifying offer which because the qualifying offer would be more than an empty roster slot rescind that and then just sign him to another minimum contract in theory although if i and that could all just be worked out ahead of time and maybe if he plays ball they just guarantee his contract which you know is fine they can afford that um but the idea is that to make him a free agent that way you're not in the situation where you've got to waive him and expose him to waivers i don't think he really has that much value anyway that he would get claimed but nonetheless you know maybe he blows up and like david nuava did last year and that's why they ended up having to lose nuava because they needed every ounce of cap space that they could find and his non-guaranteed contract was too much so they had to waive him and then the bulls ended up claiming him so this is to avoid that process even though they could end up having to pay a little bit more uh travis ware had played pre 51 games previously in the nba before this year do you recall for which nba team he played of course i do he's the ucla oh, I, I don't i don't it. claim him in the same way right. yeah he played on he played on the knicks and actually got some some time for them 
him. He might have even started a couple games. Oh, God. I mean, he played 51 games. Like, yeah, that was that 14 15 Knicks team was really just. <laughs> that was when, like, Carmelo yeah. Anthony got injured. That was the first Phil Jackson year. And, and they. But the, yeah, Porzingis was the prize for that one. Uh, and then Josh Hart played three on three today. He could play Friday. And Brandon Ingram returned tonight against the Mavs. I'm actually going to watch that game after we're done recording on, on tape. But I don't know how he played. But I assume, uh, you know, at least he looked okay. Wait, yeah. can I give you a, another piece of Ware Brothers trivia? Oh, no. Can you name, so David Ware, his twin brother, did play in, in multiple regular season NBA games with a single team. You can either give me that team or the international team he is currently playing for, which is, of course, much harder. <laughs> uh philly sacramento and he is currently playing for osaka avesa in the b league in japan is that a b league in contrast to an a league no i actually think that's just what they call i i somebody somebody who listens to this who has more knowledge on japanese i think that's actually just what they call their league yeah. is the b league Dwayne casey would know the answer to this. he was coaching in japan when uh george call brought him back um all right what do we got here now oh oh yeah. brandon ingram we should mention brandon ingram yeah i just i just said that his, oh i thought i only heard you say josh hart yeah. and then i got super excited about david ware sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because you were looking that up while I was saying that. That's probably why you missed it. Correct. Yeah, well, we're really descending into the maelstrom here. And we haven't even started talking about the tankers yet either. This, uh, this has really been quite we, the we are rambling we are mentally We are mentally preparing ourselves for the tanking. I would say the next place we should go, just because we m- kind of mentioned it in the background, but didn't talk about it explicitly, why the, was the skeleton crew for the Boston Celtics? Marcus Morris had a sprained ankle and missed the game. And also, Al Horford has an issue with his left ankle. I haven't heard it called a, a, a sprained yet I, it's just weird they just said like it's just like left ankle but he didn't play against the jazz as well so that's part of what made it so impressive they started aaron baines and garrison yabushele in that game and you know a nice win for boston i don't think it, it will affect their seating at all but you know nice all the same so i guess we can start in the tank race now with the charlotte hornets who will be involved there they at least are competing with the Pistons and Lakers to keep their pick. They are tied, the Pistons and Lakers, of course, or I shouldn't say to keep their pick, but to be below them, the Pistons and Lakers, neither of them have any incentive to lose since they don't have their pick this year. Uh, Lakers 33 wins, Pistons 34, Hornets 34 right now and those teams are all projected with between 37 and 38 wins for charlotte cody zeller could be done for the season he tried to ramp up his activity level by doing some running and cutting but he got swelling again in that surgically repaired knee his quote was essentially that he was told it would kind of be touch and go for the rest of the season with that and then he needed more rest to to get it right which was kind of weird to me that that was what he was told because you know the surgery is supposed to kind of fix the issue that's leading to the swelling but nonetheless and if he's if that was going to be happening maybe came back a little bit too soon but it doesn't really matter there that that's it uh, for charlotte uh nothing really on on the detroit front so let's uh move down to the tanking eight plus the nets yeah and unfortunately for the new york knicks they have moved ahead behind whatever word we want to use they have they have fewer ping pong balls because they've won a couple of games and they just started at a stronger position so they didn't have to do much to to move so they have 27 wins now they have they are three games clear in the win column on both ends they're actually six games clear of the lakers which is pretty incredible so right now they would have the ninth best lottery odds and then the real tank race starts at 24 four wins right now the bulls nets and kings are all there the nets have different incentives because they do not have their pick cleveland has it by virtue of the twin trades and i expect brooklyn to end up pushing ahead of this group in no small part because they still play the bulls twice and 
those games could have some of the most amazing lineups from Hoiberg, who has shown some faculty with the tanking ethos. And I mean, because those two games could not only help Chicago in the tank race, but also push one of the teams that's right around them. And those are actually the only two games that Brooklyn has left against a team that is not necessarily pushing hard. Speaking of not necessarily pushing hard, the Mavs starters today all played between 20 and 24 minutes. Each of them were well into the positive. I know if you're trying to win, maybe you should play guys a little bit more than 20 minutes a game. And then pretty much everyone on their bench was way in the negative and played way more minutes than they needed to. You know, Aaron Harrison played 22 minutes. He's like a great late season Mavs tanking signing. You know, they've got Kyle Collinsworth playing a lot now. Jonathan Motley, their two-way guy. Klebo was negative 23 in 26 minutes. So, and uh, the Lakers, at least the Lakers got a little bit of sanity here. And Brooke Lopez was the only guy who played insane minutes for them at 39, which is a lot for brooke lopez but he had it working with 22 points but anyway it's uh dallas is working really hard to tank i mean as are many of these teams and pretty remarkable that they have are have 23 wins right now a negative 2.7 net rating and they actually have a worse record than the kings who have a negative 7.4 net rating it is remarkable and sacramento they've won a couple of close games they also are still competing at home i fully see them as the team that will break this in terms of winning a couple extra games fortunately for those who want sacramento to have a bad record their only two double tank games remaining are on the road they play at phoenix and at memphis and memphis you know suddenly turned into world beaters so we'll see where it turns out though who knows they've already beaten the warriors twice this year maybe they can make it three on saturday and i think they are probably the most likely chicago has put together some truly ghastly lineups and some um, some situations that game that chicago plays against orlando will be darkly fascinating and and yeah, I mean, right now the 538 projections have it where Chicago finishes with 27 wins, the Nets and Kings actually tie with the Mavericks at 26. And a little bit of news on those, uh, J.J. Barea has been out for Dallas for personal reasons. I don't expect they'll be asking him to rush back since he's been one of their best plus minus players on the year. So that's really the only thing going on with Dallas right now from injury standpoint. They're obviously resting people quite liberally also. And then in Phoenix, I mean, Phoenix is really, despite all the attention everyone's getting phoenix is looking like a great bet now they're projected to finish three games worse than uh the hawks and grizz especially with some of these recent grizz wins the grizz were neck and neck with the suns until they've won a couple of these games recently but the suns oh my god if they've been awful lately i mean they haven't even been close to competitive that i can recall recently i mean losing home games they only lost by 12 tonight but part of that is because even their limited players a lot of them are out you know tyson chandler is likely done for the season even Alfred Payton is missing time now with the left knee tendinopathy. Devin Booker hasn't played since mid-March uh, with this mysterious hand injury and keeps getting ruled out early. So, and I'm not sure. I mean, he had the injury, he played, and then not really clear what's going on with him exactly at this point. You know, Phoenix supposedly isn't going to tank now. They alienated Bledsoe last year. Booker's a pretty competitive guy. I'm sure he would like to be out there, but he's also getting ruled out pretty early from these games. So I'm not sure whether they're being extremely conservative with him or whether he really is hurt or whatever but it doesn't look like he's on the track to returning they do at least get oh is there is there any reason why we wouldn't give phoenix the benefit of the doubt on that hmm (sighs) 
Well, Alan Williams is back for them. At least he's the, the one pure center Exhaust. they have available because uh, Alex Len is also missing time with an ankle injury. You remember that he had surgery on both ankles uh, shortly around the, or I shouldn't say shortly, but around the time that he was drafted. And actually, we did a little podcast today for Stitcher Premium looking at the worst draft picks in the first half of this decade. And uh, Len's name did appear on there, although he was not too prominently featured. Yeah, so I might as well use that as a transition to another player who was mentioned, but not prominently featured. Marshawn Brooks, one of the keys to Memphis's win today over Portland. He was playing in China two weeks ago, signed a 10-day contract with the Grizzlies, and they, I mean, pretty pretty ridiculous that they did that, and they cut Bryce Johnson. That's another one of those failed picks, but that was outside of the time range of our Stitcher Premium podcast, and they were Memphis won that game with a closing backcourt of Marshawn Brooks and Kobe Simmons, somebody you and I both liked a lot earlier in the season. For Johnson, maybe he'll show up in a summer league, maybe he'll get some non-guaranteed deal but worth noting that he's going to turn 24 in june and his last minutes in the nba it's possible could be in that 61 point loss and i tweeted out a couple of clips of him one was started off with him missing an awful mid-ranger sprinting back in transition picking up mkg and then basically running away from him into the corner while mkg just went in for a layup and then not two minutes later tipping a ball into his own basket and that might be the last we ever see of bryce johnson uh r.i.p uh rock divers last ever first round draft pick bryce johnson also i because i saw this in person he was on the select team for team usa the like the young guy team for the team USA prep in 2016 and I remember watching and being like why the hell is this guy here he's certainly not a bad player but I mean that I think Devin Booker was there Oladipo like a lot of these guys players and then Bryce Johnson was there for some reason so that's what I always think of with him should we talk about the Bulls stuff because I actually think this is pretty interesting oh we did actually we missed one thing on the Suns actually I'm sorry Uh, oh yeah that's which is uh and and, yeah we should get to the Bulls but uh, Jay Triano Woj reporting that the Suns have begun a coaching search which will in fact include Triano and, and you'll remember that the way earl watson got his deal was in similar fashion not really doing much down the end of a season but the players liked him and so he ended up getting a contract and then got fired uh a little bit over a year's worth of games later uh there's an interesting approach from warren legary his agent he requested that rather than triano being a part of the search now that he be allowed to prepare a formal presentation at the end of the season uh, away from the grind of the final weeks and uh considering how they finished these final weeks being as far away from that as as possible when i made my presentation would be something that i would like to do okay now let's get to the bulls i'll do some injury stuff quickly zach levine has a uh, left knee tendonitis i he might not play the rest of this year how much that helps their tanking efforts is remains to be seen i am not the biggest zach levine supporter but of course he he can play with energy and offensively capable and you know of course they're they're dealing with it but then what i think is the most interesting I actually wrote on one of the elements of this for uh the athletic today uh, the athletic chicago asked me to write it and i'm like yeah of course so the part i didn't do which was interesting is that they signed and waived a couple guys on their windy on the windy city bulls and the reason they did that it sounds like so there are two kind of purposes one was to just give them a little bit of a bonus because uh geely guys don't make a ton of money and and give their agents a little bit of a bonus too right as well and that gives the the players because they were on an nba contract it gives those players a year of service so that's valuable for minimum contracts and everything like that so that's where they that's where 
where Chicago started in terms of their machinations being below the floor. But then it got way more interesting because what they did is they signed Sean Kilpatrick to a three-year, $6.2 million contract with what was reported as team options for the last two seasons. I'm assuming at least one of those is a non-guarantee because you can't have consecutive options. And they did that with part of their mid-level exception. So basically they gave Kilpatrick $2.1 million for the remainder of this season, which is pretty amazing work if you can get it. But then, and so I had people, the reason the piece was written was because they're asking me, well, why did Chicago do this? And what makes it so interesting is with the new CBA, players now, it's not creating a human trade exception because Sean Kilpatrick, if he has no guaranteed money, counts at zero in terms of outgoing salary because they tried to kind of close this loophole that had existed for previous years. So effectively, what the Bulls created is a pre-signed free agent and they can go around to other teams and be like, hey, do you want Sean Kilpatrick for a two-year, $4.2 million contract with nothing guaranteed, assuming it's before the guarantee date? And if they find a team that says yes, awesome, maybe they can get a middling asset for it. And if not, then they just cut him before the guarantee date or if they need to clear the space whenever they want to do that, no harm, no foul. So I'm not sure they created a great asset with this. And I'm guessing the holdover players are probably a little bit pissed off that that's how they chose to use this remaining money. But I mean, it is kind of creating something out of nothing. Yeah, I think it's very unlikely that anything will happen here. But for Kilpatrick, this is a great windfall because this isn't like a rest of season contract where he's getting paid, you know, 80 grand for the the last two weeks of the season. This is the the mid-level exception, which does begin to prorate down starting at the middle of the league year but this is just straight up two million bucks that, that he's getting here and uh mark bartlestein his agent chicago based keeps winning that guy uh he's got the plumley contract that's the one jared dudley shouted out too yeah, right yeah i mean someday we're gonna just like piss everyone off and do agent rankings um that that will Please, no. that will be a fun day you don't you don't want to do it uh no i do but i they're they're i don't deal with agents enough but i just feel like they will care about it more so than like the players yeah. because they don't care what we think so that'll be fun but we we haven't heard anything from the front yeah. office stuff yet so maybe we're or at least i yeah i mean if we ever did that because i actually don't talk to as many agents probably as i should uh but and maybe part of that is because so i can try to be a little bit more objective on these things but it's uh if i did it it would basically just be in the format of a comparison of like how good we think the guy is and was at the time and how much money he got you know that's it would i would probably try try and make it just pretty as objective as we could like that as opposed to kind of and then i mean and and also just basing it just on the nba right for example like we're critical at times like bj armstrong for like the whole demo thing right and and draymond green didn't get a full max contract which he really you know maybe he intentionally took less and that's worked out okay for him but you know he could have gotten a max contract i would have thought uh in that summer of 2015 with the cap going up but look at all the endorsement that draymond green gets right so like he's more than made up for whatever that shortfall is and all his endorsements so there's so many moving parts there so it would have to just be based solely on all right how much money did these players get versus you know how good were they and even then they'll be i'm sure a lot of people piss off at us but that's that's the beauty i guess of not working mm-hmm. being uh, an independent podcaster Let's get back to BJ Armstrong's former team. Chris Dunn is exercising on an elliptical in his walking boot, but I wouldn't expect him to come back. Antonio Blakeney is also out for the year due to a non-displaced fracture in his wrist. And Cristiano Felicio left their game on Tuesday with back sore. Yeah, the Bulls tank will miss uh, his negative 20 net rating on the season. In Atlanta, Dennis Schroeder and the Hawks already have 21 wins, but if they could avoid winning another couple of games, that would do them some favors 
tier and Schroeder obviously is the guy who really gives them a chance to win he came back in after what looked like an awful left ankle injury against the Warriors they weren't able to actually win that game and then he has missed the next two after that and as bad as that one looked I mean I'm not sure why they they brought him back in maybe they just wanted to try to get a win against the Warriors and, and they had been playing well but they weren't able to close that game out last Friday but you might see even Schroeder get shut down for the rest of the season as well especially with their tank aspirations and this ankle injury providing them some cover and Malcolm Delaney you know, he has suffered a really bad ankle sprain in that game against the Suns at the start of the month and no word about him coming back so they are very very thin now at point guard it's Josh Majet, D-League or now G-League veteran who, who's one of their two-way guys and Isaiah Taylor is about all they've got at this point right now we can get back a little bit to the tanking teams as well we kind of got a little bit disjointed there so Dallas is at 23 wins now they only have two more double tank games which is actually you know it's a mix on what teams have left and they have embraced it a little bit more but what is good for Dallas is that four of their games are against teams that are absolutely still trying so those games are, are pretty much salted away and then I would expect them to lose at Detroit as well and so then so there are 23 but the swing team here and this has been true for a little while a couple like I think it was like a week ago Orlando still had five double tank games left they have three in a row coming up now and they just lost to Brooklyn they play they host Chicago they go at the Hawks and then they go at the Knicks if they win two or three of those games probably you know it'll be on the fringes in terms of top five for lottery balls because the other teams aren't going to win many more games if they lose a bunch of those they can actually push the teams around them a little bit yeah any other real thoughts here uh, on this tank race do you want to just do like an overall projection that you have do you agree with the the 538 is there any that you feel like you're uh they're going to be off on just due to the current state of these teams or anything like that the hawks are absolute sorry the suns are absolutely in the catbird seat i i think the the suns could be two games clear of everybody on the last day of the season and then actually win that last game at dallas which could swing a couple of other things memphis is so interesting because they have like they've they've been trying with guys that aren't as good and in certain elements that can be really dangerous for a tank so if i were to pick one of them in the hawks teams that are tied in terms of record now and tied in 538 projections i would say memphis is more likely to pull a game than atlanta but i think that's going to be the top three and then after that it's in flux maybe you know dallas and orlando tied or close to it and then i think you know sacramento might end up pushing past and so then the only other broad one is brooklyn you know i think they'll win two or three games the rest of the year and they could take advantage of a team that's either on an off night or resting if that opportunity presents itself oh that's the other one i wanted to mention this is one of my favorite crazy incentive circumstances so this would have been very different a year ago but the last game of the year brooklyn plays at boston you know before the Kyrie trade that would have been boston's pick now if you want to go real three-dimensional chess boston should actively try to lose that game so that cleveland a team they are competitive with gets a worst gets a worse asset because cleveland is at least at this moment the best team of any of of the lottery ones so you want them to get the worst asset possible yeah that's a great point although we've seen the nets that game is at boston right Mm -hmm. we've seen the nets just like not even bring half of their team to these late season road games in like the last week of the season much of the chagrin of say miami last year for example because they played the bulls and just like didn't even show up for that game basically yeah i remember that that yeah heat fans got super pissed about that and yeah so there are basically i would say on average two double tank games left for a lot of these teams except for the magic who have three and so there will be a lot of movement at certain elements just because somebody has to win those games and what a I've shame been excited because <laughs> what a shame <laughs> 
it's it's the opposite of those games. Those typically, it's like a college game where they're like, "Why does somebody have to lose this game?" It's like, no, somebody gets to lose this game. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna perversely enjoy it. The one big regret I have is, and this is this goes on the schedule makers that there aren't that many of these on the last day of the season. It's only really the Fe- the Phoenix Dallas game. Those are true true glory, like when it's on the last day because then everybody knows the incentives, and you can get those fun mixed games where it's like one team is actively taking the other team is just kind of ambivalent but sucks those could be fun as well (laughs) well i can assure you at least that this podcast (laughs) it may suck but it's not ambivalent we at least we at least that is true we at least take our positions uh, on here yeah but yeah that was was a great way to end it i have a couple yeah i have a couple things to promo so that kilpatrick piece is up on the athletic uh chicago also if you haven't read it i did a kind of an off-season preview for the the cap space thing i have another one coming out on cap space teams in the next couple days i don't know when that's going to be published but also real jam radio with ben golliver we talked about his fine piece we also talked about the playoff race in general that will come out either wednesday night or thursday morning depending on how long i stay awake which probably means it'll be up on wednesday night all right that'll do it for today we'll be back tomorrow to close out the week i want to thank sonos for sponsoring today's program now with sonos one you can even control music with your voice with their alexa integration you can even have someone set up your sonos speakers for free and show you how to use all those awesome features if you live in any major metropolitan area go to sonos.com and select up and running at checkout if you are eligible and you can get 10 percent off one order of 2500 or less for any product on sonos.com when you use the promo code dunk 10 d-u-n dunc10 at sonos.com a little different code here dunk10 dunc10 to get that 10% off this offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.